Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha. Thanks for listening to Island Conversations and to this bonus podcast, an interview with Jim Kawahikawa, geophysicist at Hawaiian Volcano Observatory. There's been a tremendous amount of interest in the water that is gathered at the bottom of the Kilauea Volcano and the Hale Ma'uma'u Crater. And we talked on on Friday, August 16th, with geophysicist Jim Koehikawa, who's been on the staff at Hawaiian Volcano Observatory for decades, about the water and what it means. Before we get to the conversation with Jim, a word from KTA Superstores, which is kind enough to bring us these podcasts, and which is one of the larger employers on the island of Hawaii, employing nearly 900 people. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. Note that if you're on the island of Hawaii, you may listen to these conversations on the radio on Sundays at 6.30 a.m. on KWXX, 101.5 in Kona, 94.7 in Hilo, or at 7 a.m. on Sundays on 93.1 in Kona and 97.1 in Hilo. Let's get to our talk with Jim Koahikawa. Jim Koahikawa, aloha. Hi. I'm really glad you have time to talk to us because I wanted to ask you about the water in the Hale Ma'uma'u crater. A couple of weeks ago, it was reported that at the bottom of what is now Hale Ma'uma'u, which has actually changed a lot in appearance since the volcanic explosions of the summer of 2018, there's water at the bottom of that crater. Give us information about it. How was it discovered? What do you think it is? Just tell us things about it. Well, the, the water was reported first uh, about three weeks ago now uh, by a helicopter pilot that was actually flying a LIDAR mission for us. And LIDAR is the use of uh, laser uh, flown from a helicopter or a fixed wing, and they fly over terrain, and they, uh, they get the distances from the laser shot to the ground. And that allows us to make very accurate maps of the ground surface. So anyway, they were flying the summit area to make a map for us, and the pilot happened to notice a very murky green area down at the bottom of this very deep pit, which is now about 1,500 feet or so deep. And so he reported back to us, and uh, of course that piqued our interest. We haven't noticed water down there before in almost two centuries. So uh, we paid much more attention to it. Uh, We tried to figure out how we might be able to see that from the rim. We've posted a webcam there now, so you can watch it. And we've also had people out there measuring it with a a handheld laser rangefinder to see whether it's changing or if it's changing by how much. But it's, it's certainly very interesting. How much water do you think is down there? 
Well, the last time I calculated it, which was probably maybe almost a week ago, it was about a thousand cubic meters, which works out to about two hundred and twenty-seven thousand or so gallons. That sounds like quite a bit of water to me. From what I've seen in the photos, it looks like it's increasing. Where's that water coming from? Do you think? Well, the water level is rising slowly. We can't get real accurate measures of how fast it's moving, but we have a couple of indirect measures that suggest it's rising at about maybe a yard a week. The water is there possibly for two reasons. One is that it's just rainfall collecting down there, in which case it should wax and wane with rainfall. And the other is that this is actually the water table that was there at a higher elevation, but got dragged down by the with the collapses of 2018, and is now just basically rebounding after the collapse, and is coming up to its former level slowly. So far, because the water level is rising steadily, and that it's colored, so it's not like pure rainwater. The evidence is sort of leading towards groundwater rebounding from the 2018 collapse. But we, you know, we don't yet have accurate measures, as I said, of the depth and how fast it's rising and all that. But we, at least from our observations, it looks like it's steadily rising as opposed to going up and down with rainfall. The water is kind of a milky green color from what I've observed. What are the implications of that? Well, you know, until we get a sample of it, we can't say for sure, but there are many lakes within volcanic craters around the world that have a similar color, and we think that's due to absorption of uh, sulfur from sulfur gas. So, you know, we've been measuring very low sulfur dioxide emission rates in the crater since the collapse last year. And so one possibility is that some of that SO2 is being scrubbed out by the water. It's soluble in water. So the water may be very acidic because of that sulfur content. We are working on uh, some proposals for getting a water sample, either with a helicopter or a drone. And we're working very closely with the National Park to see what will work for everybody. Okay, well, I also understand the water is hot. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, again, we can't get right down to the water to measure the temperature, but uh, we do have an infrared camera that we've been using, for example, to track when the lava lake was moving or when lava flows were active. And so we, uh, I think a week or so ago, we trained that on the water lake. And it appeared to have a temperature of about 70 degrees centigrade or about 160 Fahrenheit. That may be a minimum temperature because the water is so far away from the camera. There's some absorption in the atmosphere, but it's clearly hot. Well, it's interesting. You know, when I lived in California, there were hot springs through northern California that actually had been turned into commercial enterprises because you could take hot baths and there were mud baths and things like that. So, I don't know, the water, the water can be hot coming from volcanoes. Now, you mentioned you would like to get a sample. And I guess the first question is, is there any physical possibility that a person could go down there? Uh, no, the sides of the crater are very steep and it's all debris. So there's definitely no way that a human could make it down there and even less of a possibility to get out. So we're not even thinking about that. We are thinking about remote means and we are still exploring those. So what would the possibility be of either using a drone if the National Park permitted it or using a helicopter? Because 1,500 feet down sounds pretty far down for either one of those to be able to negotiate. But talk a little bit about that. 
We've consulted with both uh, drone operators and helicopter operators, and it, it does seem like it's feasible with uh, certain under certain conditions and with certain conditions about how to do it. And I believe we're having a meeting with the National Park in a couple of weeks to discuss all of these possibilities. It does seem physically possible, but you know, there are going to be risks associated with it. For the drone, there may be some possibility that the drone will not be able to come back, which sort of defeats the purpose of getting a sample. With the helicopter, it's going to require a long lead from the helicopter down to the sampling bottle, and that will have to be weighted appropriately so it doesn't get picked up in uh, air turbulence. Anyway, we were sort of trying to think these out, working with the people that know the most about the methods. I had read that never before in recorded history had there been water at the bottom of Halima'oma'u, but you mentioned just a couple minutes ago that maybe there was a couple of centuries ago. And I know that one of the things you like to do is go back and look at old Hawaiian writings, old publications, to see what was documented in writing or even orally to give you scientists more information about what happened prior to the founding of Hawaiian Volcano Observatory, prior to Thomas Jagar coming along and keeping more detailed scientific records. So what have you been able to find out about any water that might have existed at the bottom of a crater in any times? Well, as you know, Don Swanson has been working on very detailed studies about how the caldera formed and what its history was, what happened from deposits that are around the caldera. And he found that the caldera formed several centuries ago by collapse, a big collapse, and it was followed by probably three centuries of intermittent explosive eruptions. And studying those eruptions, while working with other colleagues, he found that uh, one possible culprit for why some of the eruptions were explosive, at least, was that the magma that was coming up from depth into the caldera may have come up so quickly into a shallow water lake that the magma fragmented and produced these very big explosions as water was flashing into steam. And so that's why we are not quite sure what hazards are posed by just the existence of the water lake. We know that there has been a a shallow groundwater table under the summit for probably centuries now. And even in the last two centuries, there have been many eruptions that occurred within the caldera that have not been explosive. And so we think that based on those older studies and then based on what we know of the recent history of Kilauea, that two things must occur before eruptions will go to explosivity, big explosivity, and that is that magma rises very quickly, which we haven't seen before the last two centuries, and this water lake. And so now we're, we're getting a water lake, but that still isn't enough to have explosive eruptions. We still need that rapid magma rise. Okay, well, so last summer, in the summer of 2018, there were a number of what people called explosions at the summit. But it wasn't really earthquakes, it wasn't really eruptions as we know them. So help us understand how those that happened last in the summer of 2018 would be different from what you're talking about. Because when you say there haven't been explosions, how are what happened last summer, summer of 2018, different from what might happen now? Uh, When I mentioned big explosions for three centuries, these were very big explosions that dispersed ash for miles. 
Um, we have had small explosions, and the ones that occurred early in the 2018 activity were relatively small, even though they ejected ash up to, we think, maybe 20 or 30,000 feet. You know, there was a lot of debris formed in the collapsing in 2018, and we think that debris may have blocked gas emissions. And so those were essentially gas being trapped and exploding out and throwing up uh, debris with it. Um, the explosions uh, that involve water are much different, and they could be potentially more dangerous, simply because you can take an amount of water, you instantly put it in contact with very hot magma, it flashes into steam, and that's an expansion of, uh, I don't know, a thousand times in volume in an instant. Those are very powerful explosions. It's something that we probably haven't witnessed in uh, at least the history of Kilauea. Okay, so to be real clear, though, are the scientists concerned that there could be that kind of really disastrous explosion? Because some of the headlines I've seen since the water was spotted made it sound like we were imminently waiting for a very explosive eruption, but I don't get that sense from you and the other scientists, but let's just make sure we're crystal clear about what to expect. Well, we expect the water lake to keep rising, and until we have some information about very rapid magma set, we're not very worried. The history of Kilauea, as I mentioned, has been um, relatively moderate magma rise events. So we might get some fountaining. Most of those eruptions started relatively slowly. Even, for example, Kilauea Iki, which had those very high fountains back in 1959, started out as a fissure eruption, just uh, pushing lava down into the deepest part of that crater. And so that kind of moderate magma rise or magma ascent velocities probably are slow enough that any water that is contacted will just slowly turn into small amounts of steam and basically insulate itself from the effects from mixing with more groundwater. I know that there's a lot of study going on still from the summer 2018 eruption along with all the scientific studies you're doing from this water that's now at the bottom of Halima'uma'u. Is there anything specific you'd like to learn? Well, we'd like to be sure where this water comes from. You know, like I said, the evidence so far leans heavily towards groundwater. We have a research drill hole that is about uh, half a mile south of Halimaumau. And uh, so we know the water level in that well. And the lake will have to rise another 50 or so yards to be in hydraulic equilibrium with the water. So if our hypothesis is correct that it's groundwater that's rebounding, that lake should rise to about that same level and then stall or stay there. Hopefully by that time we'll have at least one analysis of a water sample and be able to confirm how much sulfur it has, for example, and how acidic, you know, those lakes tend to be very acidic, um, and whether it has anything else of interest um, in the water. Okay, Jim Kwahikau, thanks for the update on the water, but I want to ask you a couple of additional questions. One is a general update on Kilauea Volcano. For the last several months, we've been observing inflation at the summit. We have been able to place two uh, monitoring stations on one of the downdrop blocks within Halemaumau Crater, and uh, those have been rising very slowly. We've also been able to measure and then remeasure gravity variations on these, this area and found that gravity is also increasing, which means that there's additional 
mass below the gravity station, which is within that general or beneath the caldera crater, Halibut crater, which means there is additional mass being added beneath Halibut crater. So they both indicate that magma is coming back into the summit area, although it's at a rate that's much slower than it was while Puo was active, for example. So that is not something to worry about, but we obviously keep track of it. There continues to be inflation in an area just downrift of Puo in the Middle East Rift Zone. And again, it's, it's continuing. They were watching it closely, but we don't expect any more hazardous activity if these things continue at these rates. So we were, we're tracking it. If something looks like it might develop into more serious unrest, we'll certainly raise the alert level and, and uh, inform civil defense of the public. So the lower east rift zone, nothing's happening down there? Nothing's happening in the lower east rift zone that we can, we can measure or sense. So uh, earthquakes seem to be at a a normal level, except we are getting still getting a large number of aftershocks from that magnitude 6.9 on May 4th of last year. Amazing. Aftershocks go on for a long time. Around the 3rd of July, the scientists at Hawaiian Volcano Observatory raised the alert level of Mauna Loa from the lowest level to advisory, just because you were seeing an increase in earthquakes, not big earthquakes, but just the number had increased. And I'd just like to know what the status of Mauna Loa is today. Mauna Loa is still pretty much as active as it has been in the last several months. There's still intermittent activity up near the summit and on its upper west flank. There's still inflation at the summit at previous levels. So again, we are tracking it, but it doesn't look like an eruption is imminent yet. So the scientists are not planning on raising the alert level for Mount Aloha again at this time? Uh, no, the rate of earthquakes and the rate of inflation of the summit continues at about the same rate. We keep measuring it, but no, there have been no increases yet. Jim Koahikawa, thank you so much for your time. Aloha. Oh, thanks for taking the time. And a reminder for our listeners that if you're interested in always keeping abreast of what's going on at all of Hawaii's volcanoes, the website for Hawaiian Volcano Observatory is volcanoes.usgs.gov slash observatories slash HVO or just Google Hawaiian Volcano Observatory. I'm Sherry Bracken. You've listened to a special bonus podcast edition of Island Conversations with Jim Kawahikawa, geophysicist from Hawaiian Volcano Observatory. Until next time, please let's all live and drive with Aloha. Ahoi ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.